Hello, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series in which we interview KPMG leadership and subject matter experts, as well as third-party and client executives and thought leaders on key global business, socioeconomic, and geopolitical market trends and topics. My name is Stan Lapique, the lead market research and thought leadership effort for the KPMG Global Management Consulting Practice, and I'm your host for this podcast series. And I'm pleased to have back with us again here today on Advice Worth Keeping, Mr. Cliff Justice. Cliff is a member of the U.S. firm. He's a principal, one of the firm's executive leadership who wears many hats, but in particular, over the past few years, he's been focusing a lot on intelligent automation, digitization, robotics process automation, AI, some of the real hot topics in the market. So we've asked him to come here today and tell us a little bit about what he's seen in the market as we get into 2019. So Cliff, thanks. Take the time to join us here today on Advice Worth Keeping. Thanks for having me, Stan. Maybe to start out with, there's obviously a lot of excitement, a lot of talk in the market, and there has been for several years now around the collective set of intelligent automation technologies. But I think what we've started to see, and this has been borne out in some of our research, is that in some cases it's not as quick or easy as organizations may have thought, or maybe not organizations, maybe just some market pundits. I think we've seen some challenges with firms being able to scale their efforts to get beyond pilot. I think we see firms that have put a lot of investment into various forms of intelligent automation technologies and maybe not gotten everything they'd hoped for, or maybe they just haven't got it yet, and perhaps some of the initial expectations were unrealistic. So where are we at today in the market from a hype versus a reality standpoint, and what's your advice when you're with clients on how do they really need to continue to push forward on this and really scale these efforts to get the maximum value they can out of their investments? On the hype versus reality, the hype is still very present everywhere. I think this is very early days. This is a change that's moving very quickly. Reality is beginning to set in on many companies, and they're realizing that this is as much about the culture of their organization and their ability to change and adopt into more of a digital way of doing business than it is about technology. The technology is here It's advancing, it's getting more accessible, it's cheaper. There is continuing challenges around accessing the talent necessary to bring that technology into a condition that is right for a certain organization. There's still a lot of development talent, there's data scientists, there are a lot of technical delivery challenges still present. But I think organizations know what they are and they're pretty well-defined. The areas that are not as well-defined is the change and the characteristics of culture change that has to take place in an organization to be successful. Because it it spans not just the employees, but it also expands the external stakeholders as well. So the customers in their ability to and their desire to adapt a new way of interacting with the business. Same thing with suppliers. Same thing with other stakeholders outside of the four walls of the business. So The culture surrounding that industry or that business or that ecosystem is a big barrier in many cases for an organization to be successful. So in terms of addressing that change or the whole change management dimension of 
the adoption of intelligent automation? Is it the scenario where organizations are still really trying to figure out what that means? Or is it something that you see that they kind of get what it means? It's just the execution side of it. So are they things they still need to figure out? Or is it that organizations have figured out how to address change and it's just going to take a fair amount of work and effort to be able to implement that change? Well, I think organizations fall along a spectrum. You have organizations that have been at this for a while. They've appointed senior executive leaders to really define the roadmap for that business. And those leaders have been effective in many ways of getting projects and programs off the ground and really defining what it takes to build scale and drive success in that area. And then there are many other organizations who aren't there. They don't have that cohesive vision. They don't have a roadmap. They may have a lot of projects going. They may have a lot of one-off experiments. And if you ask around in the different departments, they may be experimenting with RPA, but not in a way that would really change the enterprise and really scale. They might have some good success stories around back office process, like a payroll process or an accounts payable process. But that's not really going to be the catalyst for total factor productivity change of the entire enterprise. That has to be a cohesive strategy that comes from business leaders in the organization because there are many wheels that spin when you start talking about changing the operating model and the business model of the organization. Some organizations are dramatically further along than most organizations, probably 60-40 maybe not that optimistic. It might be one-third, two-thirds in terms of companies that are really moving down that road. And I don't know if there's a real delineation between industry. That's usually the next question. But the financial services sector sure seems to be further along than other sectors on balance. So in terms of the organizations that are lagging their competitive peers a bit, how big of a risk are they facing? I mean, historically, if you look at major technology changes or investment areas such as enterprise resource planning systems or the internet and e-commerce, some organizations took the fast follower approach. They didn't want to be the pioneer. They wanted to learn a bit from the pioneers and then, as the term implies, follow them fastly. Is that going to work with intelligent automation, or is there a risk that if you're not amongst the leaders of the proverbial pack that you might miss out either in terms of reaping some of the benefits or being able to access some of the scarce talent that's out there? How concerned should an organization be if they're not amongst the peer groups that are making the most progress relative to their investments? Well, organizations need to really understand where their peer groups really are in order to answer that question. There are many organizations that are facing existential threats because there are startups that are driving new business models and new ways of engaging customers that are very high touch, but leveraging one-tenth of the resources that a traditional model would require. Those industries and those businesses are facing existential risk. There are other industries that are much slower to change, and parts of industries that are slower to change, they may be under intense regulatory scrutiny or just the nature of the business does not lend itself to digitization as much as others. It spans the gamut, but this is all driven by advancements in artificial intelligence. When we talk about intelligent automation, we're talking about the automation that is enabled by AI and machine learning and all of the derivatives that are advancing very quickly. 
And the historical template to artificial intelligence is electricity. So if you go back 100 years or 120, 130 years, and you look at how businesses changed as a result of electricity, that question would be like asking if a company isn't going to use electricity in their business, are they at risk? And the answer would be, well, it depends on the industry. <laughs> so if you're in an industrial industry back then, yes, you'd be put out of business pretty quickly. If you're in an agriculture industry, yes, that industry changed as a result of electricity and mechanization and all of the supply chain changes that, that happened as a result of that. So you're seeing a lot of change it's true in most cases that this is as dramatic a change as we will ever see in our lifetime in terms of how businesses are operated. And so in most cases, the answer to that question is it's existential. There are some cases that people will point out here and there that AI just doesn't play a role. That's probably true. But I think what we're talking about here is the vast majority, the 80% of the businesses out there really have to have a game plan. They have to understand where their competitive threats are coming from, whether they're coming from the side or they're coming from new entrants into an industry that they may not even see. So it sounds like the fast follower approach could be quite risky for certain firms and certain industries. Well, Cliff, last question relates to talent. And obviously there's a big issue around intelligent automation and talent from the standpoint of where do firms get the talent they need to really take advantage of, utilize things such as artificial intelligence, but there's also the issue of job automation and what do you do with workers whose full or partial set of work activities are automated. So maybe two-part question on talent. What's your advice on where organizations should be looking to get the talent and is there enough out there? And secondly, how realistic is it to expect that you're going to be able to retrain or retool talent to really take advantage of some of these technologies? Well, the talent question really is a complex question because it's not just one type of talent. I view the organizations that are going to be most successful as organizations that have a learning culture and they have skills and talent that are able to change and they're able to learn. Not all talent needed in this era is technology talent. In fact, most talent that's needed is not technology talent. It's going to be talent that understands technology and is able to learn about technology, and they're going to be able to learn how to operate and manage a new relationship with technology. That's going to be business process talent. That's going to be the core operational talent within the business, regardless what industry. And then there is data science talent and a technology talent question. Many organizations will change and adopt their technology ecosystem, their partners, their suppliers to address some of that talent question. And the talent question gets concentrated into who your suppliers are and who your partners are. Because most organizations just aren't going to be able to hire the number of data scientists, the number of artificial intelligence, software engineers that are going to be required to be competitive. They're going to have to rely on their ecosystem of partners, the cloud, to access some of those some of those skill sets. It's a broad question, but I would say it's a culture question. And it's a question of, is the organization a learning organization? Is it a learning culture? Can it attract the type of talent necessary? Those are open questions. I think we see the organizations that are able to do that. They're able to draw those types of skills and those types of talent, whether it's technical talent or not, into the business. And those are going to be the organizations, and those are the organizations that are succeeding today 
if you revert back to that first question you had, who's winning and who's not, it's those organizations that are really able to manage that and bring to bear the right people, or they have evolved their technology ecosystem in a way that they partner with the right suppliers to bring that talent to bear. Well, Cliff, I like the analogy of the learning culture. I think that sets up a strategic framework for an organization to start to look at what they need to be doing relative to developing their own workforce of the future. And it's not just as simple as retraining and reskilling in the latest technology, but it is creating that much larger culture of learning, but also fitting that into your ecosystem of partners. So I think it's very good advice there. Cliff, anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up here today? This is a fast-moving topic, I think. What we're seeing today is just the very tip of the iceberg, and the conversations that we're having in January of 2019 are going to be very different a year from now. It's interesting to see the organizations out there that are moving at this pace and adapting so quickly. I think it would be interesting to have this conversation again in a year. We'll certainly do that, Cliff, if not before then. So uh, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for your insights, and we'll get you back, if not within the next six months, definitely within the next year to see where the market has been moving. But thanks for your time again here today on Advice Worth Keeping. And you can find the links to the items you referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash us slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation. 